Blog Talk Radio. there in Radio Land. This is Fred McMurray, CEO of the Link Local Network. Happy to announce the start of a new radio show, Pillars of Franchising with Ray Pillar, CEO of Molly Maid Aurora Naperville, or Naperville Aurora, depending on what you want. And I am lucky enough to be his co-host. Ray, how are you doing today? Great. I'm having a great evening so far. My microphone didn't work, so we can go from there. Okay. So today's topic is marketing your friend or marketing your franchise isn't easy. Ray, how long have you been in franchising? I started the business in November of 2003, so we're in our fifth going to be our 15th year. So, what are you you've been highly successful? What do you believe the 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 pillars of being a successful franchise are? I would say don't give up. I think what happens to a lot of franchises is they uh, they realize it could be in over their head for whatever reason. Uh, it could be knowledge. It could be money. But uh, you need to be prepared to have both uh, or be able to get both uh, because I think what happens is a lot of people will start a franchise with a big dream and then realize that it's not quite working out the way the franchisor said it would, and it may take a little longer. They run out of money, and they have to close uh, close their shop. So whatever, uh, but whatever it is, if the, like if the franchisor says you're going to need a uh, hundred thousand dollars, you should probably think about doubling that at least, because you might need a little bit more, because you might want to make sure that you have enough to keep those doors open. So you don't lose your uh, initial investment. So you're saying that if the franchisor tells you you need X amount, you're better off having twice that amount? I would say two to three times, yeah. Absolutely. Because I know a lot of people who who reached to uh, – the franchisor would say, you know, you will be successful in two years. But what if you're not? And now you have – X amount of money invested in this franchise and you have nothing to show for it because the profits aren't coming in. But if you have a little extra cash, you can keep on going a little bit longer. And that's, and it, as it was in my case, it, you know, it, it worked out because we really didn't see any real money until after the, about the fifth year. So if you have that extra cash to carry you along, of course, Sometimes the franchisor doesn't tell you you're going to need enough money to uh, for your own personal expenses as well as running the business, making payroll, and, uh, getting your advertising out, um, and that can be a lot of money. So the, the best thing you can do is make sure you have or have can get or is available to you that money. 
Okay, I can buy that. I've seen some of that myself as we've worked with on franchise with franchisees. Um, let's bring our guest in. Our today's guest is Michelle Rumpel. She's the founder and managing partner of Mediavine Marketing. And Mediavine works with a whole lot of franchises. Michelle, say hello. Hi, everybody. Nice to be here. Thanks, Ray, for having me on. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Hello. So, Ray, what question should we ask Michelle today? I was wondering, you know, obviously my experience is different than, than others, have you run across any other franchises uh, uh, that may have had to either fold or take on a partner or find other forms of financing in order to get over that hump? Uh, you know, I'm not sure that I've – I would have to think about that a little bit. Um you know, if there have been other franchisees that have taken on other partners, um, no, you know, I can't recall an example right now. How, do you have it? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I know I know a couple of other Molly Maid owners who had to take on uh, a partner uh, in order to uh, get over that initial uh, hump, so to speak, the first uh, two to probably two to five years um, because they realize that they've invested everything that they, they have personally and it's still taking more. Okay. And in your experience, when they, when they take on a partner like that, um, do they kind of generally then divide up the duties? So like the new partner might be more responsible for, uh, marketing or maybe managing the employees or managing the, you know, the time, the time output that might be required. Do they kind of divvy up the? I, I, I think initially uh, that's the ideal thing to do. Uh, yeah. To try to try to try to divide up the uh, the workload as much as possible, but I think what it generally happens after a while, I know it happened. With my dad when he took on a partner for his business, and I, and I think I know of a couple of other businesses that happened to, where one partner starts doing, you know, like 80 or 90 percent of the work, and the other partner kind of, you know, uh, yeah. skips yeah skips along so to speak. Yeah. So uh, and and that's what usually creates an animosity, uh, you know, within the partnership. Right. Yeah, we've heard we've heard many uh unfortunately many horror stories of uh partnerships gone awry. You know, some some of them uh some of them work out quite well um uh, because at the outset I think they very well delineate, okay, you know, I'm going to do this, you're going to do this. You're bringing in this much, we're bringing in this much to the table, so we're going to, you know, this is how it's going to work, but if if you bring somebody on and you don't really have good clear delineation of how this is going to work. I could see how, yeah, that that's where you hear about yep. the horror stories, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, it, well, Michelle, aren't you in The best, best way to think of a, a, a business partnership is is sort of like a marriage. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. 
you know, uh, and you're going to, there's always a conflict, well, not always, but most of the time there's a conflict in a marriage. Uh, it's going to be the same thing uh, with the business partner. And unless right. you have an unusual situation, you know, uh, you might you might as well just count on it and even uh, plan for it. Uh, what, you know, what if there is uh, some sort of a, a problem that needs to be taken care of instead of shouting at each other it's probably better if you had a plan of action on how to take care of that problem right yeah and then um, I, I know that in some cases uh, one partner will look at the other and, and think that they're not doing enough in terms of even bringing in new clients or bringing in um, new uh, well basically new business I mean that's usually what, what ends mm-hmm. up <laughs> What ends up happening, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah I, I, I've seen uh, partnerships, you know, fall apart simply because, uh, as an example, here again with my dad's business, it was a simple simple matter, simple, stupid little things like, you know, where you, where you buy something from, what vendor you use, and what products you use. It, it, it's, it's not always the big things like, Getting the business in, in the in the door, it could be something simple as what vendors you're using and and how much you're paying that vendor and you know what are you spending that much money on this for, <laughs> you know and it's the same thing in a marriage. It's usually uh, the little things that people argue over. It's it's not the big things, you know. Right, those little paper cuts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A bunch of paper cuts over a period of time. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, here, here, my advice is uh, on on something like this is if you can avoid a partnership, by all means, avoid it. Um, I, you know, other than uh, my wife and I going into the business together, she was my partner, uh, but. You know, we didn't uh, we didn't take on any partnerships. You know, we were fortunate enough to be able to obtain funding to keep the business rolling along until it, it started rolling on until it built its uh, momentum and started rolling on its own. Right. Yeah, that that definitely would be the the best case scenario. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we've heard a lot of a lot of horror stories. Some end in uh, some end up in court. And some end up in uh, people not speaking to each other, and once in a while it ends up uh, in uh, murder. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> I may have watched a few too many Law and Orders. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I, I think so. But I, I'm sure, I'm sure some had, you know. Uh, Especially when they start taking out huge insurance policies on each other, you know, it becomes a little tempting. Then I would imagine <laughs> that might be your red flag. <laughs> yeah. So, on the topic of marketing, a franchise, Michelle, what are the top uh, trends in marketing for franchisees you're seeing in 2018? Well, I think we need to maybe take a step back from that for a minute and just talk about what what it means to be a marketer or what it means to market a franchise 
And like Ray, what you were talking about when um, somebody buys a franchise, corporate, and correct me if I'm wrong, but generally speaking, corporate will say, oh, you know, besides you should start, you know, making bank in two years or, you know, after the first two years. Um, oh, we'll take care of all of your marketing needs as well. You don't even need to worry about that. Our name is so strong, and, you know, we'll, we've got it handled. You shouldn't have to do much of anything. Um, but then the reality what? comes in, <laughs> and, and often will do quite a bit, but maybe not enough to, you know, or consistently enough mm-hmm. or just, long enough to to do things so I, I think that uh, that may be the case in in, in uh, with some franchises um uh Molly made only requirement when I started was to take out a big phone ad phone book ad and of course uh people don't don't even uh use the phone book any longer so it it has changed over the years dramatically uh, to uh, primarily uh, internet type marketing, marketing, which uh, uh, you uh, are, you know, are one of the experts uh, in the field. So, uh, and another thing that uh, actually uh, my franchise did not require me to meet any marketing demands. They had a national marketing plan, but it wasn't. Uh, local enough to affect the individual franchises. So um, it wasn't until, oh, I'm going to guess at this, five, six years ago is that they they said basically that you had to spend X amount of dollars on local marketing. Um, and they, because what was happening is uh, some of the smaller franchises just decided they were big enough and they didn't want to spend you know, expand anymore, and they didn't want any more business. So therefore, the only thing they had was bold printed uh, uh, phone number in the phone book. And um, in this day and age, it doesn't work at all. Right. You will lose. You will lose more customers than you will gain, uh, and, and especially in, in uh, uh, the the home cleaning business, which I'm in, because um, people move. They die, <laughs> they change their mind. There's a lot of reasons why people quit, and you've got to have enough coming in the door to replace the people leaving uh, out the back door. Right. Yeah, and with you know, with respect to online marketing, so you know, Fred was asking about some of the some of the top some of the top needs or trends for for this year. And obviously, you know, it, social media marketing, online marketing is a foregone conclusion at this point. There's no getting, no getting around it. Um, but what, I, what we've seen with some of the franchises, franchisors, uh, is they're not putting enough emphasis on um, having franchisees spend a little bit of time monitoring that all of the pages that they have out in the, you know, in the Internet, whether it's a, a Facebook page or a Google listing or a Yelp account or whatever. And if, if nobody has eyes that are, that are watching those things, you know, people are spending more and more time 
putting views out there, you know, on 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 the different mm-hmm. platforms. And if nobody is watching that, um, you, you can find out that you've got you've got some, you could have some really negative stuff that uh, you weren't even aware was there, and and they're mm-hmm. just kind of floating out there uh, being unaddressed. And uh, we were mm-hmm. talking with. Uh, we were doing some research for a different franchise, not yours. Um, and we found that as a whole, even though every single location had uh, a Facebook page and a Google listing, almost, you know, almost to a franchise, uh, franchisee, nobody was watching. And so uh, there were just tons and tons of really negative reviews out there that um, nobody was even, you know, doing any kind of response to. And it was really hurting the the overall image of the, the franchise itself, which is a very well-known franchise. And it has to do with some um, financial stuff. And people, you know, obviously get pretty hot under the collar when it has to do with money. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and um, so it, that that's, Probably a, that's a huge mistake, and that's something you know not monitoring that, those things, and that's something that really more and more and more has to be uh, taken into account. Just even assigning a person on the staff to watch those, or hiring another company to watch them, whatever the case may be, that's that's a huge one. So wait, Michelle, you're saying in 2018, people still aren't monitoring their social media profiles? Yeah, and, and I get it. Um, you know, running a running a business is a lot of work. You wear a ton of hats. Um, you're trying to do everything that a business owner has to do on a daily basis, and sometimes that kind of a thing can just fall on the back burner. Um, so it's yeah, it, it's easy. It's easy to let it go. Uh, and and sometimes I think for people it can be even frightening to know what to do in those situations when sometimes you just, you know, just sometimes you have, for lack of a better word, a crazy, unreasonable <laughs> client uh, mm-hmm. who, you know, you try to do, as a franchisee or business owner, you try to do everything you can to ameliorate the situation. You know, you give them money back or you write them an apology or you give them free services or free product or, and, and they're just not going to, you know, there's just nothing you can do to uh, help them. But um, if they write to you, at least responding to it and just saying, Hey, you know, we're really sorry to hear you had a bad experience. Um, that goes a long way to um, somebody else. They come across it. I, I can tell you, I haven't been on uh, the receiving end of, of negative comments. It, 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 it hurts me deeply, and yeah. I think my first my first gut reaction, and, and the reason it hurts me deeply is because I feel that we try exceedingly hard, very, very, very hard to please our customers, um, and I, I, my first gut reaction is this person doesn't know what he's talking about, and I just want to forget about this negative situation. I don't even want to answer him, but that's the worst thing you can do. The, the best thing you can do is go ahead and answer that person. And I've, I think all the, you know, 
we've received a few negative comments because people, like you say, can be unreasonable. They really can't. They don't understand business, um, and they 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 shoot from the hip instead of waiting for us to you know to, to giving us a call and let us you know correct the situation, whatever it is. They immediately get online and 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 want to bash us. Uh, as an example, one person uh, said that. They, they, you know, they bashed us because you know they felt that we were charging too much, and then I basically answered that person and I said, uh, the way they stated it is, you know, how how can how can maids make so much money? And the way I stated it is, I wish I could pay my employees X amount of dollars, but I can't because, and then I delineated all the overhead that we have that goes in. To get, just getting that team out to his house, and you know, be, you know, besides payroll, you've got the car and you got the uh, products that we use to clean the home and insurance and advertising and you know, and I just went on and on, and I, I, I don't think I have any negative reviews out there that have not been answered and answered in such a way as most people uh, who are reasonable would say, oh yeah, you know, the person who posted that original negative review really didn't know what they were talking about. And it actually turns the whole situation around, and even though it's a negative review, a one star or whatever, people that read the response now say, oh, you know, that sounds reasonable to me. And and instead of a one star, in their mind, they change it to, you know, a, a, a positive event. Right. And, and, and you know, in today's world, if you see a business that has all five-star reviews, you know, th- that even can be a little suspect in people's minds, you know, a, a, an overall 4.2 or 4.5 or, you know, some variation above 4 really in a lot of ways seems a lot more legitimate and better than a straight across the board 5 for every single person. Because, you know, let's face it, as business owners, we don't, you know, sometimes sometimes it's not even an unreasonable client. Sometimes we just drop the ball. We forget. We mess up, and it happens, you know. And so, oh, sure, sure. You know, it, you're absolutely right. You know, it's something, and it has happened in my office where we, do, we get a negative complaint, and uh, we realize, oh, my gosh, this person called us, you know, two weeks ago, and we never returned this person's call. You know, we for whatever reason we got busy or whatever, and uh, you know, definitely our fault. But then, when that person, we we apologized to that person online, you know, and uh, and you know, we asked them, you know, uh, you know, for, for forgiveness, so to speak. Yeah. So what I heard earlier between both of you is, I should go out and do a whole lot of one-star reviews so people don't. Places don't have all five stars. Never mind. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's your takeaway, huh? Well, you okay. know, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm, just, I'm a consumer just like everyone else, and if I see all five star reviews, I, I start to look at them, and if they all begin to have the same tone, I say, hmm, you know, there's something right here. <laughs> right. You know, and exactly. I, I just begin to look forward, you know, look beyond that to something else. Yeah, you start to think, okay, how, who did you pay to say all of these? Yeah. How many people did of these people did you pay to say these reviews? Yeah, exactly. 
Okay, so we have about five minutes left. Michelle, you told us about monitoring. What that, that's great for doing customer like that. What what are you seeing about bringing new customers in? Um, one of the things that if we're talking about uh, there's a couple different well, okay, so there's the technology that is still uh, I would call it in its infancy, and we've seen a lot of changes, a lot of companies coming and going. The technology is good, but but the providers are still kind of in sync, is um, something called a beacon or nearby beacon technology. Um, and, and in a nutshell, they're little, small little devices that um, are using Google's nearby technology. And if you have a beacon in your storefront or in a call or first or whatever, you can put a, you can actually program the beacon in a, a short message and a link, and when people are in the proximity of the beacon, um, they can they'll see a message and a link on their uh, phone, and they can click on it and learn more. Right now, the beacons are, for the most part, uh, transmitting to Android phones, but they're working on making it available to iPhones as well. Um, it's a exciting technology for um, especially for storefronts or for you know for companies that have representatives everybody's you know like everybody's glued to their phones um, it's a way to get uh, notifications out in a kind of in a unique way so beacons are beacons again they're kind of in their infancy not a lot of people are used we're starting to see them more and more in certain areas. So it'll be something to watch uh, as we go by. And then there's also something called NFC cards, which are cards that also transmit messages. Um, they have a shorter range, but they're also throwaway. Beacons, you don't really, you don't want to throw them away, whereas cards you can. So think of it like a, a business card that you would give to somebody that you could print on you could give to somebody, and that, that is transmit a message to the people that grab that get them. Really? So you could take one of those and put them up on like a Panera um, Panera community board? No, their 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 ranges are actually smaller than that. So it's really people physically would have to get them and hold them in their hands and have them close to their close to their phone. Um, but it, it's something that would transmit information directly to their phone from the card. So again, it's kind of an interesting to see. I imagine that the cards will extend their range uh, over time um, as they get, you know, as they perfect the technology and make the transmitter smaller and smaller, just like computers or phones. That sounds exciting. Yeah, it is pretty cool. I'd like to put yeah. put one in each one of my cars and just uh, as yeah. people drive by, you know, they <laughs> get a little right. blurb of advertising. Exactly. Exactly. And they're still perfecting it. We've uh, we've had some uh, less than perfect experiences with beacon providers so far, but we're seeing that uh, company, some other companies are jumping in that we're hoping will – uh, come up with kind of the bulletproof beacon, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially in Chicago, right? Uh, so anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. 
It is pretty cool. Cool stuff. I like technology. Absolutely. What's your final thoughts on marketing your franchise, since you are the expert? You are the franchise owner. I am. And uh, I, I think you have to go with the flow. Like I, I like to, uh, I, I mentioned in the beginning is the <laughs> fact that the only requirement was that we put a, an ad in the phone book when I started right. the business, you know, 14 some odd years ago. And uh, now it is uh, all over the internet, and uh, and things like the beacon are, are are new kinds of advertising that are coming out on a regular basis. Um, texting is another one that uh, I know our company is going to be diving into. Um, so there, there's a ton of new things coming out, and if you're stuck in the old ways, you're not going to grow. And and to me, stagnation is death, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. So uh, uh, you've got to really think about what's coming out and in, in employ the, the the latest techniques and the people that know about the techniques, like Mediavine, and you know, continue to push for for uh, whatever is going to help your business in in the way of uh, marketing and advertising. Right. I would keeping up with keeping up with the time, <laughs> uh, learning <laughs> new learning new ways to beat uh, and uh, to beat the changes, uh, or as much as possible with Facebook and Google and etc. That's one thing we know is change is always going to occur in the world of marketing. So, folks, Absolutely. next week we'll be on at our normal time, 4 p.m. Central. Until then, keep on building your franchise. Right, Ray? Bye, everybody. Have a good evening.